Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. The amazing spider talk, the amazing spider talk, come swing through the air, sit back and prepare for the amazing spider. Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which, by my records, count. Well, I'm Mischievous Marchinacchio, and I, too, own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but Dan, the annuals, by my record, do not count. Well, whatever records you go by, this is The Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. Thanks for joining us for this review episode of The Amazing Spider-Talk. If you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider-Talk on your favorite podcast app. This podcast exists because of support from our Patreon members. If you want to receive early episodes, exclusive artwork, and keep this podcast going, go to AmazingSpiderTalk.com and consider joining our Patreon. Today on the show, Mark and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 6, Number 17, also known as 911. This issue is written by Zeb Wells. The issue's cover is from artists John Romita Jr., Scott Hanna, and Marcia Menez. And I have to say, they also work together on a variant cover of this, which is John Romita Sr.'s Amazing Spider-Man 50. And I picked that thing up in a hot second. Mark, did you get that one for yourself? Oh, oh yeah. That, that cover is choice, Dan. It's choice. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was super cool. You know, I, I would love to see John Romita Jr. interpreting his father's stuff more. I mean, I'm sure it would become derivative after a while, but I mean, getting him do the to do the iconic cover 50, you know, I had to get that. Anyway, the interior pencils are from Ed McGinnis with inks from Cliff Wraithburn, plus colors by Marcio Menez, and of course, letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. This issue, it's also important to note, was edited by Nick Lowe's evil clone, Albert Banazak, who I'm quickly growing to not like, even though he responded to my letter on the letters page in the back of this issue, but more on that later. This issue was first released on January 11th, 2023. Mark, it's time for what I'm now dubbing the Rec Rap Recap. Oh. You think that will well. have lasting power there, Mark? I think it's going to have as much lasting power as Rec Rap will have. All right, Dan, here we go. Peter Parker is in limbo. Some strange-looking demon creature starts joking with a giant shark thing until the shark thing threatens to bite his head off. The shark then attacks Peter, so Peter punches him out. The other creature thinks Peter... The other creature thanks Peter for saving him and seems to be quite fond of Parker Pete Man. Okay. Now we're with Jonah, who's getting tormented himself. These demons are just butchering the names, but they do get Jonah to demand tasty pics of Spider-Man. 
that apparently is a bridge too far for Peter as he vows vengeance against Ben upon that line. So now Peter is with Ben and he's telling him to let go of the prisoners and Ben is all no can doesville Peter, but he does offer him a bite of an apple which gets an editor's reference in case we forgot, which by the way, I did. Peter says no to the apple and knows it's a trick of some sort and doesn't seem too put off by Ben's threat to quote, shove it down his throat, since he probably needs to take it willingly anyway. Sure. Peter says he's not going to give in and Ben retorts he won't let Peter leave and then Peter claps back that he's not asking for permission. Cue the Saved by the Bell. Ooh. (laughs) More demons in Madeline Pryor. Madeline seems to be losing patience with Ben, but Ben is excited to introduce Limbo's newest supervillain team, the Insidious Six, which includes Dr. Octoball, the Grave Goblin, Riceratops, Lizard, I guess that's, I, I mean, I, I, I wanted to say Lizard, but it's two Zs, so Lizard, Kraken the Hunter, and Gorpion. Bravo. That strange dude is back, and he's ready to fight the six as Parker Man, and then Bat- Madeline tells Ben, this is not a great use of my time. I love meta-commentary that's not supposed to be meta-commentary. Ben tells Parker Man he has it backwards, which I guess is now this issue's Chekhovian gun. So Peter is with Jonah again and is plotting their escape. They need to study Ben's movements between Limbo and New York City, but Peter also needs to make alterations to his costume. Meanwhile, the weird little guy wants to be a hero, so another demon is going to help him out. This is apparently referenced in Venom, another editor's note, and I have not read the Venom yet, so thank you, Banzarek, again. Uh, so, the, the little guy does some experimenting with a mini Spidey costume and a symbiote, and now the costume bonds to the strange guy. Back to Jonah and the demons. Jonah tries to trick the demons into finding out how the other demons who are going to the real New York City are getting there, and Peter shows up in his Spider-Man costume, And so now Peter is fighting the Insidious Six, and my goodness, this issue just keeps going. Fisticuffs ensue, and then in the final splash page to top them all, we are introduced to the strange little guy's new identity. Ladies and gentlemen, drumroll. It is the first appearance of Wreck Rap. Hoard those issues, you speculators. We got our first appearance. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. You made a very insane issue somewhat more digestible. I I don't know how else to begin a conversation about this issue, which is really strange by design. Tonally, I mean, if we thought the last two issues were really out of whack with our expectations, this thing came from a completely different sport. I don't know how you respond to that. I mean... It's hard because like, and I'll just get mine out in a sentence is like, I found joys within this issue couched in a experience. That's like, this is absolutely not how this book should be handled. I can't discount that. Like it got me to laugh. There were some cool designs and as an out of left field candidate, I enjoyed it, but it's still completely out of left field. I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment. I mean, it's like, it's, it's nonsense, but it's not like incomprehensible nonsense, but it's also 
I think it's the tone is incomprehensible or, or not inc- incomprehensible, incongruent with what preceded it. And that's probably what's most, you know, from my standpoint, frustrating about it. I mean, like, yes, there, the, I definitely found moments of joy and we could talk about some of those in, in a bit. But like, like we've been saying this, I feel now for the last few episodes, like, you know, they set something up in that alpha issue. Or no, not even the was it the alpha issue or the ASM issue? I, I I'm forgetting. Well, there's the, both the, the ASM and the the dusk issue. Yeah, I'm trying to think like when it started to get ridiculous. I feel it was that first the 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 ASM following the dusk issue where it just took took on took on this tone. I've read other Zeb Wells, you know, prior to his his work on Amazing Spider Man, and, 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 and I, I always feel like. Amazing Spider-Man has kind of reined Zeb Wells in. I mean, he's from was it Robot Chicken? Is his background or or one of those? I mean, a shows, lot of things, right? but that's one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, like I I think back to like Avenging Spider-Man and and like that those first few issues with Joe Mads, and they were kind of they had this like silly energy to them too, you know. But they also there was also some serious moments or or, or good like sincere moments in that series, but like. Zeb can do silly, but he hasn't really been doing silly on this book, and he certainly hasn't been doing silly on this run. So to have this happen now, while it's not like where is this coming from, it just doesn't feel right. Like I, I, you know, like it it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't sit right. It doesn't sit well because you know we were getting something I think much more sincere, for lack of a better word, in the months that had preceded it. So I I don't know, like it's just. I didn't hate this issue, but like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna go back and look at this. I'm not gonna go back and certainly look at this storyline with any kind of fondness. And I don't even know if I want to like if like there will be any joy in this issue that extends beyond that that initial read and then reread for this episode that we do. Which you know, like if I was just if I was just a casual fan, I would have read this once and put this in the box and forgotten about it for the rest of my life. Probably that's all I'm trying to say. Like I, it just doesn't feel like it, it's it's worth worth my time right now. I, I I don't know what what this office is trying to achieve with this storyline and, and 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 in telling this story in this fashion. Well, I think Avenging Spider-Man and you put your finger on it is the exact perfect comparison here because you're right. Those first what three issues with Spider-Man, you know, uh, uh, Joe Mads and Spider-Man teaming up with the Red Hulk to fight, you know, mole people, you know, or moloids rather you know, was really silly, but then you got like, and Zeb wrote those, but then you got stories from Zeb, like his team up with like Hawkeye and Captain America, which were really sincere and heartfelt. There was even a, an Aunt May issue that uh, I thought was really moving. Uh, The artwork was really strange, but, and, and I, I remember thinking back on those issues when Zeb was announced and thinking, oh, wow, like this guy can really do a like grounded heartfelt Peter. And that's what we got. Like you said, But the difference is like that was an anthology series of one shots and sometimes, you know, multi-part stories that I don't think was planned to be that initially, but ultimately became that when I think Joe Mads kind of promised to be the ongoing artist and then left for whatever reason, probably to bankrupt the state of Rhode Island. But that's a whole other story. It is weird to see that kind of anthology approach on a title like ASM. You know, and maybe this is Zeb dipping back into the kind of like brand new day era where the stories could kind of uh, like, you know, alter a little bit writer to writer. But I feel like Stephen Wacker had a real solid grasp on the core of what that book was that 
even if the writers changed and the subject changed, the tone felt vaguely, you know, in line with each other. And, and this just does not feel like that, especially when you get the Ed McGinnis stuff, which it's very clear by this point that Zeb is putting on two very different writers caps when he's working with uh, Ed versus JRJR or any of the other artists who've uh, assisted on this title. And like, we keep beating up an editorial, but like, this is also a choice that Zeb has made. And I think it's kind of a mistake, especially with this lingering mystery of the Norman Osborne and MJ thing. Like, I feel like if that storyline was wrapped up and that tone was wrapped up and then we got a fun, goofy story like this, we'd be much more forgiving, but like building us up to dark web being like a key part of that tale and then completely ignoring it for something silly, I think is really detrimental to the title and will cause a lot of people to jump ship from this story. I I, I don't know if you agree with any of that. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, you know, I've been, I've been saying for a while, like, I, I have unquestionably enjoyed this run more than I thought I was going to when it started because, you know, the, the, the initial gateway into this this reboot has been, you know, was the, the, the what do you call it, the, the, the mystery box element thing, which I was just kind of over in terms of using that as a driving force for Spider-Man. But, like, the... the the stories had such kind of urgency and force and and creativity to them that I was like, okay, you know, like I'm giving this the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know, yes, the 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 main like driver of the plot is is a device that I really don't like right now, or, or you know, have, or, or I'm kind of burnt out on as a as a as a reader of this series. But like, you know, everything else is so good. So like, yeah, to to kind of like do this massive diversion. From all of that, like it, it kind of it raises a lot of red flags for me because it's like, are, are, is this is this whole group serious about this the story right now? I don't know if they are. You know, like I'm not. I, I don't want to. Ass, I don't want to assign speculation and and all that. But like, you know, you, you you set something up like you know Peter quote unquote did something and he's not with MJ and he's friends with Norman Osborn, like good friends with Norman Osborn and. Norman is kind of teetering on the edge of going back to being a villain again. And, you know, all these very major consequential things are are happening. And then, whoops, no, we're going to do a three-month break from it about the clone of Spider-Man teaming up with someone from X-Men and having silly demons tell Jonah to do tasty pictures of spider I, I just, like I, like I said, I don't feel that they're treating, like, yes, it's comics, Let's not be too highbrow about it, but I don't. I, I they are giving the impression that they're not serious about this story right now, and and that's that's just again the the word I come keep coming back to is frustrating. It's frustrating as a fan. It's frustrating as a reader, and it's frustrating as someone who has talked to you about this book, you know, week in and week out, Dan, and and has mostly enjoyed it. So I I, I don't understand why they're taking this turn and why they're kind of. I think they're playing with fire editorial and, and the creative team, frankly, are playing with fire and doing something like this right now. Yeah. And I, and again, I, I don't want to speculate, but to me, like this is where I, I feel like I felt the constraints of the biweekly format at its most, you know, because of this, you know, 
a rotating artist team. And if you don't have a really solid grasp on how you're going to handle that and support your writers and keep really consistent tone or, or make a title feel whole, then it can really spin out to me. And I, I, I can't imagine like, you know, reading this issue and reading issue number one of this run, I couldn't imagine two stories more at odds with each other in, in tone, you know, like uh, we had Alan on, you know, waxing poetic about Peter's depression and that scene with him, you know, slowly scoping things out. And here we're getting, you know, look, I laughed at Kraken the hunter, you know, like, but like that, that couldn't be more different. Now that's not to say that like the world of Spider-Man isn't elastic. It can handle all of these things, but it's, it's about how it's approached. You know, I could imagine a three issue story where we still got depressed Peter Parker and he's surrounded by a world that's goofy and silly. And he's reacting to that in a way that says like, I need to get out of here. This is a distraction from my main goals, or I refuse to engage with this. And we get a, we get a little bit of that here, right? Like anytime Peter talks in this issue, I was like, okay, I still know that guy. Like that's still a character I recognize, but like noticeably this issue is not really from Peter's perspective as I think the better issues of the Zeb Wells run have been. And it's a, it's a, it's a trap that I think that a lot of the writers on this title have kind of fallen into to your point about like the, the kind of tonal whiplash and the conviction it's, I mentioned that my letter is in the back of this issue, which was really thrilling to have printed in the issue. Anytime the letter gets you know printed, it feels like you're kind of becoming a part of the history of the comic in some way. And they even printed the name of our podcast in the back, which I was amazed. I thought they would delete that, but it's funny because I'm so praiseworthy in the back of that book about like how like in control that this series has been and how great these stories are. And I plead them. I plead for them in my letter to like provide Zeb the resources to manage all these things and only to be in an issue where I feel like I saw the wheels come off the track. Um, <laughs> and, and and at the same point, like comicbook.com named this amazing Spider-Man run, the best ongoing comic of 2022, which I think is silly. Like I'm really enjoying this comic, you know, until this point, I, I wouldn't even list it as the best ongoing comic of 2022. <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's strong. If you saw that recommendation and then picked up this issue, you'd be like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Anyway, your response to any of that? Well, I, I, I do want to like pick on what you had said with like the elastic elasticity of Spider-Man and like, and I think that's, Absolutely true, but like I, I cannot, for the life of me, think of an instance in the history of of this book specifically where the tone has shifted so dramatically within with the same creative. You know, I mean, like I know it's it's McGinnis instead of Ramita doing the art, but with Zeb's voice driving it, and that's that's curious to me. Like, like, and and you know, you can you can. I don't know, you know, I'm not trying to point fingers at anybody, but like I, 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 you know, is this a writer that's not, you know, maybe not being checked? Is this, or is this like just a, a creative office that's like, no, let's just do something different. I mean, like, it's just odd to me. Like, yes, Spider-Man can take on many different styles and tones and has, but, you know, like, 
you look at the Roger Stern run or the the JMS run or even JMD and like it's 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 consistent from issue to issue. And then, you know, if there's like a fill in issue or, or, you know, a, 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 like, you know, you had commuter cometh in, in the middle of the DeFalco and friends run, and even that's not that far of a departure from the tone, but it's a, it's a very different story than what they were telling. I mean, like, like, like that, th- that's, those are like the exceptions to the rule, but this just seems odd to me that it's the same writer. Well, that, that's a, that's a fish out of water story. And that's the whole joke of it is Spider-Man doesn't belong in the tone of, of that issue. Yeah. I mean, we, I think we said this, it was either the last episode or the episode before, but like this, this comic became Deadpool and I don't un, I like, and like, I think frankly, because of the tone from an actual, like critical structural standpoint, you know, I kind of joked about it in, in my recap. And, you know, when I was putting the recap together, I was noticing it like, this comic also, it just jumps around so much because it's so like frenetic and kind of like short on attention span. And like, I get, I get that's kind of the, the gimmick because they're in, they're in limbo with all these crazy demons and monsters and stuff like that. But that's just like, it kind of made it difficult to read in that respect because it's just like, oh, okay, now he's with Jonah. Now he's with Ben. Now Ben's with Madeline. And like, you're not, there's no through line. Like how, where, how are people getting from point A to point B? It's just all, buh, 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 you know, like a strobe light. And I'm like, well, it's, it's funny. Is, there's uh, zero world building, which, which is the opposite. Like I would say like issues one through five of this run, like we didn't know what Peter did, but the world building was really strong. Like he took his time to set up like everybody feels this way about Peter. And even though you didn't know what as at the center of it, you got a sense of what the New York was like. And Peter's life was like, given the repercussions of whatever choice that he made, you know, here, I don't know how the rules of limbo work. I don't know the stakes of this. I don't know what chasms plan is like, he wants him to bite this apple, but what? But is he trying to wear him down? Did he specifically design this to drive Peter crazy? Like, uh, you know, the, the whole stakes of it is not well articulated. To your thing about, like, uh, I've never felt like an artist has shifted this much. I, like, the closest I could think of when I when I was reading this was Amazing Spider-Man 676, where Dan Slott gave the Sinister Six an issue to take over. And he had been building up this threat of the Sinister Six only to do this like goofy underwater issue with them where they all like beat the crap out of each other or whatever. And it was just kind of like a silly story that made Dr. Octopus seem like a joke character. Like that's the closest I could think. But even that is like in the realm of the work that he had been doing prior to this. And again, it's just one issue versus a run of issues. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it you know, like if you're going to jump jump the tone for an issue for and, and and like there was a gimmick to that issue too because like you said it's from their perspective so it still feels different like this is still by this is a standard spider-man comic they're just telling the story with this wacky tone with this wacky deadpool tone you know what i mean so i i, I don't know like it, it's it's like they're, they're, not 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 to not to jump around myself, but like the the other thing like I, you know when i was talking about the structure and the frenetic nature of it like it's like where we're Jonah in this issue. And then all of a sudden at the very, very end, Robbie shows up for the first time. And I'm like, wait, where did he come from? And I know like there was <laughs> that, that thing with chasm a few issues earlier where he shows the vision of the two of them in, 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 in limbo. But like, 
Like, where was he this whole issue? And like, it, has he not picked up on the fact that Peter is Spider-Man because now he's Spider-Man and when 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 it's with Rob, it's just like... Well, that that's the thing that I was thinking the whole time was like, everybody's referring to him as like Parker Pete-Man and like, it's very clear that this is Spider-Man oriented and where's Robbie and all this? And they try to like, kind of like brush it under the rug. Like Peter was able to escape and I'm here to, instead. And it's like, okay, like... Uh, look, there's a lot of like, you just have to go with it. They don't pick up on it. But like, did Robbie need to be a part of this? It feels like, and, and that contributes to the kind of like Mad Libs nature of all this, which is like, was there really a structured out plan here for these stories? Or are we just making this up as we go? Which kind of seems like what is going on here, you know? And, 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 and that that's to also should note that like with Joe Kelly coming on post this, you know, the next issue, you know, for two issues to give Zeb some time to get ahead. You wonder if Zeb was kind of burning out at this point and like advocated for taking a break so that he could get caught up. And again, I'll go back to when I met Zeb and, uh, and Dan slot, they both expressed to each other, not on microphone with me, their frustration with the biweekly format and just how hard it made deadlines. And I would, this is why I'd love to have editorial on the show. And, you know, it was great to get Tom, Tom Brennan on when we did get him on. It's like, if, if the sales of this truly keep Marvel afloat and will, and able to do other types of comics that don't sell as well, great. It would be good to know that. But I really think if you did a monthly book that was of the quality of the JR issues consistently, you would have less drop off and you would to make up for the lack of sales, but maybe it wouldn't double the sales. So what, what do I know? But like, it's something I would be curious to know. Cause to me, it doesn't seem worth it. I mean, could you split the difference and do like a monthly, like four ninety nine issue or something or, th- or a five ninety nine issue, like do it like, you know, a, a size of an issue and a half. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, 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 I like, cause you're right. I feel like this, this, the pace is the pace is a is a deterrent to the story now, and and this is what we're being left with. But Dan, that also sounds like the kind of chat that we would get in our Slack, right? Or or am I am I leaping to conclusions here? Do we want to talk a little bit about what else we can find in the Slack? Yeah, go ahead, Mark. You know the Slack better than anyone. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I hundreds. Of, let me tell you what I know about the Slack looks at script intently no hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of spider-man fans on slack the amazing spider slack community is absolutely free to join and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions movies new comics old comics and more dan what is actually happening in the slack this week well mark this is where i really get to call you out because it was a big week in the slack because available alan Scherstel showed up for the first time in the Slack and dropped some thoughts on uh, Sal Buscema artwork. I don't know what uh, propelled him to do so, but uh, we all appreciated it. So this just like lit up our comics channel and we've all been sharing our thoughts on Sal's stuff, you know, favorite things about Sal. We love how he connects the saliva between the teeth and the various mouths that, that Sal is famous for. So it's been kind of a joyous time to be a part of the Slack, you know, uh, both for Alan uh, uh, coming on to the Slack and becoming an active member, but also like to kind of celebrate the 10 year uh, of the show. This is our uh, our 10th year and our 10th anniversary is coming up in March. 
And so everybody's kind of been sharing memories on the, of the show on the Slack. What are y'all waiting for? Come join our Slack. Available Alan did. And he's really not as available as his name suggests. So I appreciated him uh, jumping in there. So there's a link in the description of the episode that'll let you sign up in less than a minute. And uh, come join us in the Slack. I guarantee you'll have a good time. All right, Mark, let's get back to talking about issue 17. You know, we've been fairly negative on this. So I thought like, look, I... Like, because there was joy to be found here, I want to offer kind of like the lightest of defenses, like of this comic, which is to say, like, there's some good stuff here. And I, and, and, and I had a good time, especially reading it a second time where my expectations were kind of gone. And most of that, I think, is really around the humor in this book. Like, I, like, oftentimes Amazing Spider-Man can try so hard to be funny. Uh, and and this it just seems kind of effortless it's it's less in your face with its humor even though it is very slapstick and it's just kind of endearing in places whether it's like a bed that's begging Jonah to come lay down in it in, in, in some kind of twisted way but for me uh this wreck rap character as we kind of came to know him which I commented on Twitter I'm glad they added the hyphen so we didn't spend the whole episode calling him recrap <laughs> depending on how you feel about him like i kind of liked the earnest oddballness of this guy and how ed mcginnis drew him uh i think of the three ed mcginnis issues we've gotten back to back this one feels like the best match like for his artwork and tonally like it's funny and and he actually kind of goes with that a little bit and I said last episode that I was kind of thrilled to see his designs and I felt like they kind of delivered here and Rec Rap being my favorite, uh, at least in his kind of pre-symbiote form, this scrawny guy in Spider-Man pajamas. Like, I'm, I'm going to say he has Razorback potential, which is the Ooh. kind of like over That's high praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. for you. Like, yeah, yeah. Because like Razorback, you can't help but like the guy because for how earnest he is, like he's overconfident, he's proud as hell, and he's super earnest in his kind of dorky, like silliness. And you can't help but like him, you know, like it's a character that should be, you know, brushed aside and forgotten about. And, you know, speaking of which, I've got a Razorback action figure right here. You know, there's something about this guy that you know is appealing because you can't help but like him. And that's kind of the vibe I got with Rec Rap or whatever you want to call him. Did you at least vibe with that character at all? A little. I don't. I don't know if I. I'm. I'm going quite to Razorback uh, conclusions <laughs> yeah. as you are. You know, go in terms of some of the stuff you were just saying. Like, like as as offbeat as this tone is, I like. I agree with you. I did find it funny. Like there were some. I I I did have some legitimate moments of laughter. Like I I definitely laughed out loud during. Like when Jonah kind of bemoans these names, like they're butchering these names. You know what I mean? Like it, it was it like there was some silly nonsense. Don't get me wrong. But like there was some quality comedy in here in terms of like commitment to a bit and and kind of bringing things back and, and, and you know, like laying, you know, the 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 whole thing that I, that I joked about in the recap about like you got it backwards and like, you know, like how do they pay that off? Uh, you know, the character does Parker backwards as his name, 
recrap, recrap. But but you know, like it, it, it. So like, it's not dumb. For I, I hate to use such a derivative word, but like, there's some smart bits in here that that are well executed from a humor standpoint. And agreed 100% about McGinnis here. Like, I, I've been very unimpressed with McGinnis's artwork on this book, but like, it works in this issue because, like, it, it's, it's we like the Insidious Six look really bizarre. I mean, like, it's like, like, you know what I want after reading this issue? I want to see McGinnis do Spider Ham. Yeah, because you know, like, 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 because that's almost like what I felt I was reading too. I know I said I compared it to Avenging Spider-Man earlier, but it was—it's also like reading a Spider-Ham book. You know what I mean? Like, it's just—it's just like something like this where we're just gonna riff on everything and te- and everything's a pun, and the designs are good, the humor is done in a smart way. It's just this is you know, as I've been saying since this whole storyline started i just don't want to be reading this story right now like you set me up with something so much better months ago and now you've abandoned it like i want that story i don't want this story like 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 get me back to the good story like this is like if this was a sidebar miniseries i'd be like all right this is this isn't like my favorite thing but it's it's silly enough you know like but like i, I i'm just so you know it's just so, it's frustrating to have this in the riff of things even with the positives, it's like, I, like, I, like, that's like, my grade is not going to be like, oh, this is the worst thing I ever read because it wasn't. But like, you know, but that doesn't excuse my frustration with it. I guess that's I, I'm, I'm like, I'm talking about like, I want I want to give it the credit you're giving it. Like, I don't want like, I think I think it's worth the merits that you've mentioned. Like, that's not we shouldn't. It's not like a total bust to me, but like still I mean, let, let it be known. I'm issuing the lightest of defenses. Uh, uh, to this, you know, like, like this is like me pointing out like what I find endearing. And, and, you know, you mentioned Spider-Ham. I will say Zeb Wells did write a run of Spider-Ham recently and it was great. I really enjoyed it. And this fits in with that wonderfully. And yes, I would read Ed McGinnis's Spider-Ham like a hundred percent. And I enjoyed his time on uh, web warriors. I do wonder like Ed McGinnis, you know, he's done, done this run of Avengers with uh, Jason Aaron and Jason Aaron is also a writer who I thought like I'm a hundred percent in on like every title he's ever done. Like he's one of the best writers I've ever read in superhero comics. And then he takes on Avengers and I think it's a dud almost immediately. And the commonality there is Ed McGinnis. And I don't know like if this guy brings with him some kind of like, he wants to do it like the Marvel method or some kind of, you know, co-plotting kind of thing because he changes the, what I associate these writers with so strongly every time he shows up. And I'm, I, I, I don't know how their collaboration works, but like I can't help but start kind of connecting the dots here and, and, and seeing something like that. I mean, yeah, I can't profess to know what the process is, but like just as like we would say, like, I mean you know, going back in time to like the Dan Slot run and we were getting kind of, you know, frustrated with a lot of his stuff. And then like Stuart Eminem came on and like, it was just so much better. And is it, is it that, you know, Dan Slot suddenly wrote better with Stuart, you know, during the, or like, was there something part of the creative process between writer and artist that made, that changed the, the, the way the stories were being told. And like, it can, it works both ways. I mean, like, and that's not, it's not that McGinnis is doing bad art, which leads to bad storytelling. It's not because it, 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 we've talked about this. It's objectively good art, but like maybe there is something in the process that 
is shifting. Now, I, I have not read Jason Aaron's Adventures. Is it like a similar tone to this or or is it just not his his usual tone? I, I you know. It's not his usual tone. It's really, I wouldn't say it's like silly like this, but it's full of bombast in a way that is not quite as calculated as I, I would say Jason Aaron stuff usually is. It feels all over the place. Like it's playing with all of the toys with very little concern with how it's playing with the toys. It could be that Jason Aaron is just kind of out of his league on like a big team book, uh, you know, after doing like a, a solo series for so long in, in in Thor, it's like it's lacking all of the kind of like lyricism that I I would uh, you know associate with his stuff that during the Thor run. But then you get like a book like Avengers Forever, which is like the B book of Avengers or the side book, or it's like the new Avengers during the Hickman run. You know, it's the the counter title, and that book is brilliant. It, it's like mostly one shots, and it's really great, and it's not Ed McGuinness. And, and it's Jason Aaron and it's like, okay, like why do I dislike Avengers so much and like Avengers forever so much? And like, I, I don't want to lay all this at McGinnis's feet, but like, I can't help but react the way that I'm reacting to all of this. My other thing is like, I don't really understand the identity of this story or the point of it. Like if, if we're going to go to like a counter earth, so to speak uh, in limbo, that's like a mockery of Peter Parker's New York and the daily bugle. Like I love the names make up mix up thing. Like that was fun, but like maybe like do three issues of this instead of the past two issues that we got and like really do a satire book, making fun of the daily bugle or making fun of Peter's New York and making fun of Spider-Man comics with a depressed Peter stuck in the middle of it. Like maybe there's a way to actually do like real kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge criticism, you know, like maybe there's a Betty Brant demon stand in. Like, I just kind of like, I feel like the bit is funny, but like if they committed even more to it, it could have been funnier and made more sense in the flow of, of this comic book. I just, I can't make out the identity. Like, like what does this want to be? Are we supposed to be like taking this seriously or laughing? And chasm to me is at the heart of all of that, which is even Madeline Pryor doesn't take him seriously. She's like, you're an idiot. You're wasting my time. And y- you referenced it as meta commentary that doesn't know it's meta commentary, but I'm not even so sure that that's true. <laughs> like, like I think it kind of knows it's stupid and but then I'm like, how do I re- how am I as a reader supposed to react to that? Which we talked about last episode, which is it doesn't believe in its own bullshit. I, I guess I guess I'm trying to have faith in the fact that they aren't like the editorial team isn't actually being like, yeah, we know it's nonsense, but I, whatever. It's I mean, look, uh, Nick Lowe is the same guy that offered up the um, that story for Bendis and Ultimate Spider-Man where Peter Parker and Wolverine switch bodies. And then in the opening of that book made fun of the fact how dumb that story was. Like, like I don't think it's completely outside of the box. Like that's Nick Lowe in the drawings of that book. Like that Bendis is making fun of. Wasn't there a Spider-Man blogger who said that was his, one of his favorite Spider-Man X-Men stories. He, he might even who... be on this podcast at, at yeah. this very moment. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Whatever. Uh, no, I, come at me. Don't don't at me. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Why, why don't we grade this issue, Dad? And you know, we'll 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 see what happens in two weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look. I think I'm actually going to come out more positive on this than it probably deserves. But I'm giving this thing a C minus. I'm tempted to be the same as you, Dan, but I'm going to say D plus only again because I I, I don't want to I don't want to reward bad behavior. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it's probably objectively a C minus, but I'm I'm going to be emotional and say D plus. So okay, fair enough, fair enough. Mark, why don't you take us home? Sure thing. It is that time, of course, time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. This podcast exists because of listener support on our Patreon. For only $3.99 a month, you can help support our show's existence while getting early episodes, including these reviews the same weeks that the comics release in stores, exclusive artwork, and a ton of other bonuses. Thank you to everyone who already supports us and the work that we do. To download our earliest episodes, including interviews with legendary creators like J.M. Demetrius, Tom DeFalco, Ron Friends, Mark Bagley, and more, subscribe to our Amazing Spider Talk Back Issues podcast on Apple Podcasts. This episode was edited by Rick Coast. The video version of the show is available on YouTube and was edited by Alex Galucki. Our artwork comes handcrafted from artists Ron Friend, Sal Buscema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider-Madge. And our animated intro was created and performed by Josh Sutton. So Mark, until we change our names to Nad and Cram, what's our motto? Our motto, of course, Dan, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. Or would it be the talk spider amazing? I see what you did there, Mark. Very clever. Yes. You got it backwards though, Dan. Cram. I'm sorry. I see what you did there, Cram. <laughs>